I'm Alejandra Melian. And I'm Megan McGill. Welcome to Talking Culture. Before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge that this podcast is produced on the traditional territory of the Ganyan Gahaga on the land known as Chiotiage. We recognize the Ganyan Gahaga as the rightful stewards of this land. So this is our second in the news episode where we are bringing things that are that have happened, current events, things that are in the news to the Talking Culture podcast and trying to relate them to anthropology and look at them through an anthropological lens. And as much as it really makes me frustrated that I feel <laughs> I have to do this, um, I am going to be talking about the U.S. election today. That makes sense. Second time, yeah, <laughs> second time in the row, and hopefully, in the future, I can I can expand my horizons a little bit more and focus things that are on things that are more local, um, and also you know other important things that are happening everywhere. Um, but just you know, this is pretty monumental, and I thought that it was important to to talk about it a little bit. Um, so at this point, we all know that Joe Biden um, is the president-elect of the U.S. So starting in January, the Trump presidency will be over. Yay! <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I wanted to focus in a little bit more specifically on some of the rhetoric that they that I noticed was being used uh, once it became clear that he was the president-elect. Okay. Um, in his speech on the seventh after t- after. Um, after the news was in, he was talking about Kamala Harris, um, who will be his vice president, and how she's made history as the first woman, the first black woman, and the first woman of South Asian descent that will be in the vice president position. Yeah. Um, And I noticed that he said, don't tell me that it's not possible in the United States of America. And then Kamala Harris tweeted, um, I hope every little girl watching tonight sees this as a country of possibilities. Right. And so these things caught my attention because right now we're starting work on season two, which will have the theme, the possible. Uh, So I'm interested in looking at how these politicians are using the word. And in A Possible Anthropology, the book that we are kind of basing that season on, Anand Pandian gives a definition of possibility as envisioning the world as it yet may be. And it might seem like that's what these politicians are doing, but it also seems to me like they're not actually doing that. It seems to me like they're pointing to something that has happened already and saying, see, this was possible. So I'm wondering what you think. Like, do you think that there's a difference between what they're doing and envisioning what yet may be? Or are they kind of the same thing? I think that you're that that's really like an interesting thing to point out here because they really are kind of saying like hey this was already possible and kind of pointing to the idea that you know the Trump presidency is something that wasn't part of America I know Joe Biden used that language a lot um, in a lot of his speeches saying that this isn't who we are and I think given the results of the election that it's quite clear that you know a good section of the population does think that that's who America is, you know? And so I think it's the rhetoric here is is a little skewed. You're right because they're they're not looking for something that 
is the possible, the moving forward of America. They're saying that, like, that this has already happened. And I just don't think that that's true. I think we've seen a lot this year, especially that that isn't the case. Yeah. And and it just kind of, I don't know, it kind of bothers me because it's it as much as I think that Harris is right and that like a lot of little girls are going to be like looking at this at the vice president being um being a woman of color and be like feel like they could be in that position I know that like representation is very important Mm -hmm. but I also kind of have a problem with only thinking that that which has already happened is is possible you know like needing needing the proof of something happening in order to be able to envision a possible future yeah I think there's a a lot of um imagining of the possible that needs to happen to move things forward um in America especially after four years of Trump and so while representation as you say is obviously very important I'm I'm super happy to see Kamala Harris as the vice vice president um as i know a lot of people are but i think you're right in saying that there is further to go and we need to imagine things outside of what we currently have to move forward yeah yeah i guess that's kind of yeah kind of my point like we need to be able to start imagining possibilities that are so far beyond anything that is that has happened recently you know um stepping stones are important but also i think that like imagining <laughs> truly different futures uh, is kind of what we need right now. Well, if we're looking at things that have even just happened this year, if we're thinking about um, the Black Lives Matter protests um, and the kind of political rhetoric around that, I think that, you know, politicians have kind of shown that um, they're happy to make these these kind of little concessions like they're happy to go to those protests they're happy to say the right things but they're not happy to rethink the political structure that is enabling all of that um all of the racism that's structurally built into all of these systems and so i think yeah we need to start imagining something radically different from what we have if we want to move forward yeah and what you just said also i think brings up a really good point that like Joe Biden didn't make this possible, you know, like (laughs) not even not even Kamala Harris made this possible like this, like, you know, protests that was considered really radical for a really long time and movements that were considered way too far to the left to be a possibility in in the, you know, United States political (laughs) norm. Um, It was that type of movement that like made this possible. And so like a mainstream moderate politician telling you this is possible is not actually like where possibility lies but it it lies in people who are who are talking about things that at this moment seem like they could never be possible i agree um yeah i don't know i feel like i could talk about how <laughs> the true all of the the possibilities of the future aren't don't lie in mainstream politics for forever. <laughs> um, Me too. <laughs> but I, yeah, it's like I could just talk about that for the rest of this podcast. But um, I think that that's we can just stop there. Um, what did you What did you want to bring up today? Yeah, so um, I wanted to bring up the story of the Polish protests, the women's protests in Poland right now um, around the abortion bill that's that's being kind of rethought there. Basically, if you don't know the story. 
Poland has some of like the strictest abortion laws in the world, and they just ruled to make them stricter. Um, the part of the law that they're trying to change, which is you know one of the three ways that you're allowed to legally have an abortion in Poland, they're cutting one of those, and that one makes up about 98% of the abortions that are legally done in Poland currently. So it's a huge, a huge thing to cut from that law. And women in Poland have been protesting for about three weeks now, and they're continuing to protest. Um, and so the reason that this kind of came back to my attention this week is because in one of my classes where we were thinking about mothering, which you think maybe wouldn't be connected to abortion, but in that class we had a we had a really great discussion around kind of what it means to mother and this idea of the the cult of true womanhood around like this form of a white woman as a woman and a mother that, you know, all other mothers were judged against. And so thinking about that in terms of this, um, we kind of brought up in that discussion how kind of control of abortion rights is kind of centered in that idea still. And that, you know, being a woman means also being a biological mother. And so I kind of wanted to think about that story in terms of, of mothering and what it means for for women in Poland, but for women elsewhere where I know that these kind of rights are being also threatened. Yeah, it's really interesting that you bring this up now. I mean, I guess it's relevant, so that's why we're talking about it today. But I I recently um, listened to an episode of The Cut podcast with Avery Truffleman, mm. um, and she interviewed Rebecca Traster, who's like a who's a um, a writer and a, an advocate for abortion rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the points that she made in that episode was how abortion access to abortion is important for women who have children already as well. And like it is, I mean, all women deserve the right to abortion, but in the context, thinking about it in the context of mothering, like if you, if you don't have, if you already have children Mm -hmm. um, and you all of a sudden are losing your, like the right to have an abortion and you simply like can't have more children, so, like, in in that context, you're not even just, like, talking about um, the possibilities of life for the fetus and, like, what their life is going to, could be like if they were born, but also, like, the lives of the children that a, that, that mother already has. Like, if, if she cannot afford to have another child, forcing her to do so is reducing the quality of life for the children that she already has and her ability to mother properly and her ability to, like, mother well um, and care for the children that she has and... Um, yeah, and I don't know, I just, like, you know, it just kind of, that, the, the argument about this being about children's lives and children's well-being kind of breaks down very quickly when you think about it that way. Yeah, and I think that it's interesting that you brought up, um, mothering well, and I think that rights to abortion are kind of built around that idea. Um, having an abortion is kind of framed as mothering poorly. You're already a mother, is kind of the the idea and having an abortion is you know bad mothering and it's tied to all these ideas we have these social constructs which is um the book that i read this week that kind of brought all this up is called the archaeology of mothering by laurie wilkie and she brought up the idea of mothering as a social construct just like any other 
you know, social identity that we perform. And I think that this kind of like public um, interrogation of mothering really shows how we've constructed the idea. And, and saying that someone is a bad mother because they, they choose to have an abortion, I think, isn't really fair. I mean, we're putting all of these assumptions on, on women who may not even see themselves as a mother. So if we're thinking about the idea of mothering well as a social construct, I think that that can kind of change our view um, on these sorts of abortion laws or um, regulation of women's bodies in this way. Yeah. I mean, do you think that it's even maybe, you know, I'm, I'm not upset that I said it or anything, but do you think that it's possible that me even using the term mothering well could be problematic? Like, is that, is even just thinking about mothering as if there are good ways to mother and bad ways to mother part of this rhetoric around abortion (laughs) that like, you know, pinpoints what is okay and what isn't? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's something that, that we all say, I'm not going to point that out as something that like, maybe you shouldn't have said, you know, um, we all think about how best to mother um, in our own social and cultural constructs, you know, but I think that the idea that is problematic is that this particular um, idea, this Western idea of mothering well, has been used to judge other ways of mothering. And so thinking about the context of the book that I mentioned, that was thinking about Black women mothering um, under slavery and how they were compared to the white women at the time. And if we think about these things in a bit more of an intersectional way, considering race, considering um, class, considering religion, um, considering you know all these different things, we might be able to think of mothering well in a way that's different than what first comes to mind in our context. Yeah, no, definitely. And like when you're thinking about it in all in all of these intersecting ways too, it kind of becomes impossible to not think about you, the eugenics movement um and like who was, you know, deemed a proper mother and mm-hmm. like the type of woman who should be having children and like the type of women who were not going to be like allowed or encouraged to have children. Yeah. Um And, you know, and, like, also the difference between, like, negative and positive eugenics, negative eugenics being, like, the, the, um, being not allowing certain people to have children and to, and to become mothers, and then positive eugenics being, like, forcing or, like, incur, like, you know, really (laughs) encouraging certain types of women to have children in order to, and I'm using huge air quotes here, like, (laughs) further the race, um, and I, and, you know, women who are forced to have children that they don't want to have are as are victims of eugenics in a, in a different way than we normally think about it. Um, and you know, that's, I feel like a movement that I would hope countries would be moving away from. I hadn't thought about it that way, but I think that you're right. And I think that that's part of the reason maybe not, at the forefront of people's minds in, in these sorts of protests, but um, the reason that it feels like, you know, a sort of control, a control of people's bodies um, that they want to stand up for. And I think seeing that 
you know, these protests are the largest in Poland's history since, I think they said the 1980s or earlier. I think that says a lot. But I think that that we're out of time for that one too. Um, It was, again, really nice to come and talk to you about these things. I I feel like it's been such a crazy um, kind of week and a half um, with the election kind of taking up all of our brains in the news cycle. So it was kind of nice to slow down and think about what else I might want to talk about. I know we did talk about the election, but um, to think about it not not in a 24-hour news cycle sort of way and to think a little more slowly about things. Yeah, no, I... Um, I... I really appreciate like having these conversations and and talking about something that I might not otherwise have spent a lot of time with. And I do think that like it is good for us to be able to take something that is taking up a lot of space in the news cycle and kind of and you know dig a little bit deeper into into it. Mm-hmm. Um but <laughs> I am really hoping that uh next time we do this I will have something else to talk about besides the election. <laughs> I I can see why. Yeah. <laughs> this episode was produced by me megan mcgill and alejandra million music by justin kober cover art by sophia million don't forget to rate review and subscribe and come talk culture with us on twitter at talk culture pod or instagram at talk culture podcast and check out our website talkingculture.ca for more from the mcgill anthro community Thank you.